Good evening, church. It's a wonderful privilege to come once again to this amazing portion um, called the Beatitudes at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. And so once you turn with me in the scripture and we're going to read once again and we're going to have the privilege of sitting at the master's feet and learning from him. And so just to read from verse 3. Uh, through to the end, and we've been reading every Sunday evening the Beatitudes, and it's good to see them together, and I'm going to illustrate this in a few moments of, of how we can, how the one leads into the next. But let's read together from verse 3. Blessed or fully satisfied are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to the Word tonight, we pray that you would grant us understanding, that there would be a word in season, that you would bless our hearts, that there would be encouragement, that there would be a challenge, Lord. May you speak into our lives tonight, Lord. We pray that your spirit will move in our midst. Thank you for this wonderful time of worship. Thank you that we can say tonight, Lord, purify our hearts. And Lord, that's what we desire. And even as we can consider this beatitude for tonight, Lord, won't you purify our hearts to the, glorify, to the glory and to the honor of your most holy name. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Beatitudes are absolutely amazing. And the more I read about the Beatitudes, the more I'm understanding that we have to see them all together. We have to see them as a whole. Jesus preempts all this practical teaching in the Sermon on the Mount with these statements. And uh, many people have different views of kind of looking at them and trying to understand them. And I trust that these last few weeks have been a a blessing and encouragement to you. Uh, I'm learning more and more every week, even as I study and prepare. But it may be helpful for us tonight just to recap, and we come to perhaps a very crucial beatitude, a, a beatitude that maybe we might be asking, well, shouldn't this have been one of the first ones? Is there a pattern? Is there something that Jesus is trying to do in terms of trying to get this across? And so it may be helpful for us just to illustrate this, and I'm going to Try and do this um, on the board here tonight. Um, and if you remember, as we just move through the Beatitudes, I'm just going to put that there so I can have a quick uh, squiz at my, my sketch here. We started off with that very first one where Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And we understood that blessed and fully satisfied are those who understand that they are spiritually bankrupt, that spiritually in ourselves we cannot do anything 
by our own means in terms of our spiritual condition. Jesus starts off with that very crucial statement, understanding our spiritual bankruptcy. The next one was, blessed are those who mourn. Can you all see that on that side? Am I, am I in the way? Can I try and just get this, get this out a little bit more here? Maybe I'm, I must actually just come down with this and see if we can... There we go. Okay, just try and get there. There we go. <laughs> the second statement is, blessed are those who mourn. And we spoke and we understood from the context, it's not bereavement that Jesus is speaking about. There are other wonderful passages um, in the scripture that speak about bereavement. But... Jesus is saying, blessed, fully satisfied are those who not only understand their spiritual bankruptcy in terms of their spiritual need, but to come to the place of mourning because of their spiritual need, mourning because of their own sinfulness and even the sinfulness of the world around us. And so that second beatitude was, blessed are those who mourn. The next one was, those who are meek. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who have a right estimate of themselves before God and before man. Remember that statement, what a man is alone before God, what a person is alone before God, that is what he or she is, nothing more and nothing less, having a right estimate. Do you see these three Beatitudes speak very clearly, and Jesus is making it very clear about our need, our spiritual need. And there's a climax to the point as we look through those aspects of our need. And the next one is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the hungry. And this is the culmination. As we understand our spiritual need in terms of poor in spirit, mourn for our own sinfulness, having a right estimate of us, the the culmination is, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and the promises, for they will be filled. Because after understanding our spiritual need in these three ways, Jesus, the promises, the fulfillment for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, as Romans 3.20 tells us, righteousness only comes from God. And a righteousness that's apart from the law and apart from works but comes through faith in Jesus Christ, a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And so we see there's a, there's a building up to the top of the mountain in terms of the Beatitudes. And as we work through the Beatitudes, we see now as a result of being filled, as a result of hunger and thirsting for righteousness, as a result of God desiring that God would transform our own hearts and our own lives, in these ways, we see the next Beatitudes coming down. And this is almost quite a picture of Hebrew poetry. It's called, in Hebrew poetry, you have something called an acrostic. And it would lead to a point, and it will go back down to a point. And so we're going to see some corresponding pictures as we come back. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. We understood last time as we gathered, and maybe just to 
re-kind of get this statement across. Blessed are those who show mercy, are the merciful, because they will shown, be shown merciful. And we understood that God has first shown us mercy, that the mercy that God shows us is not dependent upon how much mercy we show, because that would go against the rest of Scripture that says that our salvation is by grace and faith and so on. But the promise there is that as a result of being filled with righteousness, we would want to show mercy. As the natural outworking of being filled with righteousness, there will be um, acts of mercy on our behalf because of our understanding that God has been merciful to us. And when we show mercy to others, we're in a better place to receive mercy from others. Isn't that so true? We're not going to receive mercy from others if we're not willing to be merciful. So there's very practical outworking of these Beatitudes. Jesus continues, and the one for tonight is the pure in heart. I haven't quite, quite enough board to get the picture right, but it goes up and then it comes, comes down again. And these are as a response to being filled with righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart, and that's what we're going to unpack in just a few moments. And the last one here is, blessed are the peacemakers. And then right at the bottom, blessed are those who are persecuted. And so, moving from elders, understanding our need to the point where we get to desiring that God would fill us with righteousness. And then we see the response of being filled with righteousness, being merciful, being pure in heart, being peacemakers, and even to the point of being willing to be persecuted for our faith, to put ourselves in the line, saying, yes, count me in to this. There are many people across the world who are persecuted for, the, for our faith, for, for the faith in, in Jesus Christ, even in our own midst as we think about uh, uh, Mardi and Olya, persecuted for their own faith, having to flee. And so, friends, I trust that you'll see that Jesus has not just got a random set of sayings, and it's not just moral attributes and nice, as some people have made the Beatitudes to be, but it's deep spiritual stuff. It's deep spiritual stuff that gets really down to the heart and so the one that we're going to consider tonight, pure in heart, really gets down to the, to the heart issues. And so I want you to keep your Bibles open with me as we consider blessed are the pure in heart tonight. What does it mean to be pure? What does it mean to be pure? It means to be clean in a natural sense, unsoiled. Its original form. Remember, before Adam and Eve sinned, God had created man and woman in His own image. He had made them pure and beautiful and holy. And then sin came and tarnished that. And because of Adam's sin, because of the first Adam, the Bible tells us that we have a natural inclination. We speak about the doctrine of the depravity of mankind. You don't teach your children to be naughty. They have a natural inclination. And for those of you who don't have children yet, you would discover this for yourselves, that you don't have to teach your children to be naughty. There's a natural bend for sin in our lives. 
So to be pure is to be clean in the natural sense, to be unsoiled or unalloyed. An alloy is when you mix two things together, you mix two metals together. Very often if you have gold jewelry, gold is mixed with something to make it more usable. If you had pure gold and your rings were made out of pure gold, it would be too soft to actually use. And so your gold jewelry usually has some other metal, some other metal added to it and mixed in it to make it a little bit harder, to make it a little bit more durable and usable. But to be pure means to be unalloyed, unmixed with anything else. And Jesus says, blessed are those who have a heart that is unmixed, unalloyed, unsoiled. We need to understand as we come to this beatitude tonight, the significance of the heart and what it means. Many make the mistake that Christianity is just an outward action. And many people have made Christianity just that. Well, what is it to be a Christian? You'd say to somebody, well, I'm a good person. I don't drink and I don't swear. And uh, I live a good life and I provide for my family. I'm a, I'm a good husband and a good father. And those are all good things that we ought to be in life anyway. But many people have made Christianity that. And most certainly the Pharisees in Jesus' day had made um, faith about outward appearances. But when we come to the Scripture, when we come to the Old Testament, and when we come to the teachings of Jesus, it's not about the outward acts. Remember that, young, that rich young man who came to Jesus. I used this as an illustration, pointed to it a, a few weeks ago. And he came to Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And you know what? He'd done everything according to the letter of the law. But you know one thing? He di- Jesus didn't have his heart. And he went away sad because Jesus said, well, give up everything you have. And his heart was in the stuff that he had. And he couldn't give it up. And he went away sad and devastated. And Jesus' greatest charge against the religious leaders, the Pharisees of his day, was that they were only interested in outward outside of the pots and ignored the inside. Remember Jesus says whatever is inside the heart, it's not what that you take in that makes you impure. The Pharisees were all about, oh no, Jesus, you, you, your disciples can't pick wheat on a Sunday. You can't pull your donkey out of a hole on a Sunday. It was, you, you can't help somebody in need on a Sunday. And Jesus reminds his disciples, or he, he speaks and says, has the Sabbath been made for man or man for the Sabbath? The Sabbath has been made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And Jesus goes on and he tells us and teaches us that it's not what we consume that makes us impure, as the Pharisees were trying to push on and trying to expand on the Levitical code. Remember, we spoke a few weeks ago in Ephesians that, and just reminded from Galatians that, is it Galatians or Colossians? Galatians that... Um, Jesus has nailed the code to the cross. It's, that's not the means by which we save. That's not the means of grace. They'd made it about what they consumed. And Jesus says, it's not what you eat that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your heart. It's what's inside your heart. And so when we look at the scripture, we see that the heart is a crucial element. It's always about 
the heart. The heart is the center. If you'll turn with me briefly to Psalm 51. King David, the man after God's own heart. King David was an amazing guy. So much so that he was called just that man after God's own heart. But you know, King David messed up. He got it wrong. He sinned. And when he was confronted about his sin, he suddenly realized. In Psalm 51, we are reminded exactly of this. And David gets it right. He understands. After Nathan comes and he and he challenges David about his sin with regard to Bathsheba. And he comes in verse 16 and 17. And he tells us exactly, as he writes this psalm, exactly what God desires of us. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice or one bring it. You see, the religions of, religions of this world have made it about sacrifice, about rituals, about stuff that we do on the outside. David now understood, you do not delight in sacrifice. David could have brought incredible sacrifices before God. He says, oh, I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. So often people, instead of getting their hearts right before God, the natural response, instead of allowing God to challenge and change their heart, they do tons of good deeds. Many Christians do that. I know that I need to deal with this thing in my heart, in this dark corner of my life. But instead of dealing with it, I'll do lots of good stuff. It will make me feel better. Maybe it will be acceptable for, before God. But you know what? None of this is acceptable. You know what God wants? David tells us here. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. A heart that is broken before God. A heart that mourns. A heart that understands its spiritual bankruptcy. A heart that is meek and has a right estimate of itself before God. That's what a broken and a contrite heart is. And the promise here, oh God, you will not despise that. And it's exactly what Jesus is saying. It's exactly what leads us to the point of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And it's exactly what Jesus is getting at. Blessed are the pure in spirit. Blessed are the pure in hearts. For they will see God. And friends, as we come and we consider the heart, we need to understand also tonight, it's not just the motions. Jesus doesn't just want our emotions. Doesn't just want us to surrender our happiness or our sadness or this nice feeling that we might have when we come to worship. That's, that's only a small portion of who we are. He wants our whole being. And if we to give Him our heart, we need to understand that we need to give Him our emotions. We need to give Him our intellect. Many people make Christianity about the intellect. Many folks have this tremendous knowledge of the scripture and of doctrine. And the focus is on study of the doctrine. And those are all good things. But friends, he wants our heart. He wants our whole being. And so it's our emotions, our intellect. 
And lastly, also, it's our will. Is there a will that is surrendered and given to Jesus? It's easy to give portions of our lives to Him, isn't it? The psalmist writes and says, Lord, give me an undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart. Sometimes our hearts are divided. Sometimes we've given God the easy portions in our life to give. But those dark corners of our lives, sometimes we haven't surrendered them to Him. And Jesus says to us tonight, Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who have hearts that are unalloyed, that are unmixed, hearts that are fully surrendered. So what does it mean to be pure in heart? It's to be like Jesus himself. It's to copy him. It's to sit at the master and to imitate and follow the master. We're so good at following people in this world. We're so good at following those people that we rate highly and we want to copy. Even preachers tend to copy other great preachers. And I don't know how many preachers would have copied Billy Graham. And Billy Graham was an amazing preacher. And was a stand of the Bible. The Bible says with a big, loud voice. But friends, ultimately, to be pure in heart, we need not just to copy the great, the great preachers or the good people in our lives. We need to ultimately rather copy Jesus. Do we have a heart like Him? Philippians 2, and we keep on coming back to, we need to have the same attitude of Jesus I've mentioned already we need to have an undivided heart. The psalmist cries out to God and says, Lord, give me an undivided heart. And if we examine ourselves tonight, maybe you and I are going to find that in many ways we have a divided heart. It's so easy to be consumed with the worries. Have we surrendered them to Jesus? It's so easy to begin be consumed with the stuff of this world. Are we consumed with stuff or are we consumed with Jesus? Does he have that part of our life? What a challenge for us. And to be pure in heart is to keep that first command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. There's a completeness. There's full surrender before God. I'm going to use this illustration just for a moment, if you don't mind. Brought my own guitar tonight, so I didn't have to mess with David's tonight. But uh, a guitar is a beautiful instrument, isn't it? And it's usually in tune. But you know what? If you just do that. You can sound it, you can hear it's really off. And you know what? It doesn't take much to get it off, does it? It takes, it takes not tuning. I, I just touched one, didn't I? One string. I think it's the D one over there. I just touched that. And I untuned it. I, I took some tension off it. So that one string is out of sync. It's out of frequency with the, with the frequency that it should be. So when you play it and you strum it, there's just, just sounds... Sick, doesn't it? 
And you know, it just takes that one area of our lives to be out of tune with God. It takes that one little corner of our lives to be that we keep Him back and we're not surrendering to Him. But you know what? We need to come before God and we need to just get back in tune with Him. And I'll just tune that back up to a, up to a D here. doesn't take much. And maybe as we come to this beatitude, we need to be asking ourselves, all the strings, and it's just, illustrations fall short in so many ways, but if you just use those as, a, as a, just some idea of, are there portions of your life that are just maybe out of tune tonight? Is there portions of my life that are out of tune Hebrews 12 verse 14 tells us exactly what Jesus says. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's not just our intellect that God wants. It's not just our emotions. But it's our will. It's our whole being. Nothing less but the whole person. And friends, this comes out of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. In each of the Beatitudes, as we've discovered over the weeks, that Jesus is blessed or fully satisfied are those who do this, and then there's always a promise. And tonight, this is the one. Blessed are the pure in heart, and here it is, for they will see God. And how do we understand this, for they will see God? Well, I believe that we will see God in parts. In this life, not physically, but there's a spiritual aspect of seeing God. Because when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we start to move in the direction of having a pure heart before God, then we start to see God at work where the rest of the world can't see. It's so amazing to have conversations with you and something happens and there's amazing testimony because you say, yes, God's hand was in that. I praise the Lord because He's done that. We start to see God's hand in nature. As people have been testifying about how the sea has just been so rough and we're just reminded about the greatness of our God through the storm. The world don't see that because their hearts are not in tune with God. They don't realize that it's the hand of Almighty God even in the waves, even in creation. When we look at events and world events and different events in our lives, different things that take place, yes, It's the hand of God in our lives. It's the hand of God when I was a boy and that doctor suddenly realized that I wasn't breathing and he rushed in and put a trachea in my throat. It's the hand of God. It's not just coincidence. We start to see the hand of God in history. We start to see the hand of God in everyday life. We start to recognize that there's a mighty God who's at work in our lives. And is He even at work even in the small events? Or we think they're small events. And friends, as you and I have a pure heart, we start seeing God in the sense of our communion with Him. In the depth of our relationship with Him, we long to be in His presence. We long to worship Him. We long to sit in the Word. 
We long just to meditate in His presence. That's a bit of what Jesus is promising. We, we start to understand that He's near. That He's close at hand. Reminded in James, draw nigh to Him and He will draw nigh to you. But friends, this is just a portion. Just a small portion of what you and I can experience. Moses longed to see God and God said, well, you're not going to see me. You'll just see a little portion of me. A little portion of the back of God as he passed by. And from that moment, nobody could ever look at the face of Moses. Because of what he had seen. Friends, one day we will see him in glory. In the meantime, we see just a portion. There's a blessedness that God gives to us. We see him in our lives. We see his hand of mercy. We see his love. And we see his love in his presence with us through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this, and I'll close with this. Now we see but a poor reflection in the mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Isn't that wonderful? Now I know in part, then I shall fully know. Those of you who are trying to get your heads around those difficult doctrinal truths that we find in the Bible, we just don't understand them. So difficult. We only going to know in parts now. And we need to be satisfied with that. One day we will know fully. And the writer to Corinthians says, even as I am fully known. Isn't there such blessing for us in this? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the blessedness of the Word tonight. Father, as we come here tonight and we've been challenged, you tell us that there's great blessing, that we'd be fully satisfied if we have hearts that are pure, that are unalloyed, with sin and unalloyed with the things of this world. And yet, we find that so often we have undivided hearts. We have divided hearts. Lord, just as the psalmist pray, prayed, Lord, give us undivided hearts. May you unify our hearts. May we have whole hearts before you, pure, unalloyed hearts before you. May you continue this process of purification. Lord, for each one of us here tonight, may you by your Holy Spirit show us and unravel our hearts before you. Is there some place that we need to surrender? Is there some dark, dark corner of our lives that we haven't given over fully to you? May your Holy Spirit come and arrest us. May your Holy Spirit come and tackle us on this. And may we be found to surrendering this to you. Because blessed are the pure in heart. Give us a longing for pure hearts tonight. That we would see you. But see you when you wrote about the miracles of change in our own lives, and one day when we will see you in glory. So Lord, won't you send us with the word upon our hearts into this week ahead. 
to the glory and to the honor of your most holy name. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.